Hey everyone, this is Jose coming to you with episode 7 of the Llama Lounge, where we talk about life, learning, and leadership. In this episode, we'll get to speak with Gloria Weatherspoon about diversity, the importance of emotional intelligence, and get some of the basics about Ramadan. Get ready for a great episode. Life. Learning. Leadership. The Llama Lounge. Welcome, everyone, to Episode 7 of the Llama Lounge. Uh, this is Jose coming to you from Delaware. And on the line, I also have one of my best friends, Joe Bogdan. How you doing, brother? What's up, brother, man? Hey, welcome to the front lines, bro. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, for the listeners out there that don't know, Jose does all of the heavy work, lifting, the background, uh, engineering stuff, trying to make us sound good. And um, we're real excited to have him up in the front lines. And I suspect one of the reasons why uh, he was so excited to jump on on this one is because of our guest today. Maybe the only one who could have brought the mighty Oz from behind the curtains. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I was thinking about it, right? Um, and there's a couple other folks coming up that I thought it'd be, it'd be great to. But, you know, when we, when we talked about this episode and who we're having on, um, I thought about me back at Travis at California where we all met. And... Uh, I remember her coming through our squadron like a firestorm, man. Like, mm. just brought all this energy and all this stuff. It was dope. And uh, I remember her always doing this thing where she would say, you'll be fine. And, and <laughs> I, just, I just knew that whenever that happened, I was about to get real uncomfortable and, and get a lot of growing. So it was good. Yep. Yeah, 100% so, true. <laughs> so, so I thought this would be good, man. How, how's it out there in California right now? Everything's still uh, good with the, the response? Yeah, um, it's pretty interesting. I was telling some other folks that um, in the last two weeks, so we were in NorCal, we were, had a little bit of a lockdown, right? Shelter at home. And um, it was pretty clear on the roads for, you know, the initial part of it. And the last two weeks, I felt like they, it was getting a little bit more dense out there. So, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't hundred percent sure, but uh, yeah, after about two weeks of sample size, I think people are fed up with it. <laughs> people are just like, yeah. I'm going out. So, uh, <laughs> so that's a little bit different. It's not like it normally is, but it's definitely a little bit more. So um, uh, it's interesting to see how this all pans out. Yeah. It's, it's been good out here. To be honest with you. Um, it's a little more remote area, which I think kind of played into our favor. Um, it, it was easier to lock things down um, from that perspective, but um, it's been good too, because I know for me, part of my resiliency recently has been trying to get after new things. Well, we mm -hmm. did a, there was a, a article we talked about where the F word, right. And failing. Mm -hmm. And so I've just been trying to find new things that I, I am terrible at and just trying to get better at them. So it's been fun. It's been good yeah. times. Spent a lot of time with the family. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's where growth is. Take the hardest route always. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, um, Without further ado, we are here to, uh, very honored to have uh, Chief Master Sergeant Gloria Glow Weatherspoon on the web class, uh, web, webcast. Uh, Glow is currently Senior Enlisted Advisor for Diomi at Patrick Air Force Base in Florida. So how are you out there? How are you doing, Glow? Hi, friends! <laughs> um, just kind of hanging in there. Got a, everybody's home. Rodney, the kids are home. And so um, he's coach daddy, of course. So they're doing workouts and, and keeping busy. <laughs> nice. Me, I'm just, you know, enjoying being home. Teleworking is a little weird because I get, I get my energy from people. So mm -hmm. I have to kind of find things to continue to be upbeat or whatever. So I just keep getting dressed. Every day I get dressed. <laughs> 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 and, and it's so because every time Roddy's like, where are you going? 
So. The living room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, but everything, everything has been, everything has been great. Um, you know, the challenge with the, having a, a schoolhouse that people normally come to, we kind of, mm-hmm. kind of shift our thoughts and um, figure out how we're going to get these folks trained right. in this new environment. So that's been, that's been a challenge, and I love a challenge. So that you know, that's been fine. But we got so many smart people. Down there at Diomi, that you know, I'm I'm not worried. So we're just talking through some of those stuff just to see what we're gonna do for the rest of the year. Awesome, That's awesome. Have you been? Uh, have you guys found that you guys are more looking towards like push classes off, which is what we've done here at Delaware? Are you guys looking to just go like virtual, where you guys push things to the the internet and try to do it that way? We are looking at um, we're looking at virtual first because we don't want to just stop training altogether. Mm-hmm. So what we're doing now is looking at um, alternative means and just by some of the research we've been doing i didn't realize how many platforms unless they just popped up with the environment how many platforms you could actually use to um to supplement what we do at the omi because it's very it's very intense it's a lot of interpersonal intrapersonal um Mm -hmm. reflection and and learning about yourself so we definitely want to have a class like we definitely do um so we're exploring all of those options to be able to get that done before we just say we're done for the year yeah, that's awesome. I know um, it. It's interesting, right? Because I've I've seen my children mature um, over the past couple of weeks in ways I just didn't didn't imagine. You know, little Jose, he I wake up and I, I'm I'm an early riser, so I'm up like at 4:30 and I'm out there trying to do my thing, you know, for myself. And he'll come down like at 6:30 and I'm like, "What are you doing?" He's like, "Dad, I gotta I gotta do my homework." You know, I, I got goals, and I'm like, "All right, man, <laughs> let me know what you need me to do for you." You know, so it's been good, right? Um, so I definitely appreciate that. Um, so my first question, I guess, would be, um, how would you describe your life and leadership journey, right? Like, how did you become GLOW? How did you get to the point where you're at? Okay, so um, it's interesting because I am the only person in my entire family who voluntarily joined the military. Um, and my family was confused. Legitimately, they didn't <laughs> understand, like, well, why are you doing this? Where did all of this come from? And it was so weird because um, I believe in signs, right? So if I see anything three times, I got to go do that, which is it's not weird, but it's work, right? Uh-huh. So um, literally one day um, a recruiter came to, uh, to the mall. I was in the mall shopping and I walked past somebody in their blues. And I was like, huh, that's interesting. And then I see a couple of days later, I'm like, when uh, the Air Force first started doing the aim high campaign and it was motivating and all the planes are flying and they don't say yep. nothing else, they just aim high. You yeah. know, and, and so I was like, oh, okay. And then, so the bus that I used to take to work does a detour. Mm-hmm. They go past the recruiter, which I didn't even know where the recruiting station was, again, because I wasn't looking for it. So Mm -hmm. that was the three, and then I go in there. But what made me go was, and this is um, something, you know, that I don't share often. In um, my family, the first funeral that I ever went to was a cousin of mine who was 19. Mm -hmm. He was killed going into a skating ring to pick up my other two cousins. And Mm -hmm. so I was 13 years old when that happened. And so for a season, maybe about a five-year span, yeah, I would say from 13 to 18, I buried four cousins that Mm -hmm. way that were killed that and so they were you know Lloyd was 19 and then I mean and Sutan were my age we were all born you know in in the same year so that like scared the crap out of me yeah um and so Philadelphia wasn't uh the city of brotherly love back then (laughs) um yeah you could go anywhere and shots would ring out 
um, the block that I lived on, um, people were getting shot. Like it was just, it was just so crazy. And I just, I wanted to go. Mm -hmm. I had to get out of there and I wanted my mom to be proud of me. Right. Because, you know, you, you all know me, I could be a little feisty. Um, I was <laughs> getting, you know, getting fired all the time. I couldn't keep a job. <laughs> so, my mom, one day she was just like, what are you going to do? You can't just do this. You can't hop mm -hmm. from job to job, just go out, you know, not really do nothing with your life. What are you going to do? And so that, that sign of three happened and I came home and I was like, I'm going to join the Air Force. And she was like, wait, whoa, 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 what are you doing? So that happened. But you, you know, I went to, uh, you know, you get there, you go to basic training and just me being naturally me, right? Just, mm -hmm. um, you know, before I matured and understood that it was leadership, um, it was given the very negative connotation of being bossy. Right. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I take all of those attributes and I go to basic and my TI at the time, who actually just retired as a lieutenant colonel, I'll, I'll get to I'll get to how I know that. Okay. Um, I get to basic training and I just I just do what I'm supposed to do. You know, I make people laugh. I want everybody to be happy and we're working together. And so um, I think I, I, I understood what leadership was when I became an element leader and had to be responsible for other people. And so mm -hmm. my TI actually took a lot of time with me because I made a lot of mistakes. You know, I tell people, don't ask me, you need to go and figure it out. And he would pull me to the side and be like, nope, that's not how this works. And he would hold me accountable for stuff that they did. And it like, you know, I did a lot of crying. I was angry because I'm like, I shouldn't have to be responsible for these people. But towards the end of basic going into tech school, I understood that my job, whether they worked for me or not, that we were all airmen. And I love mm -hmm. that, right? And it's taking yeah. care of each other and doing what we needed to do. And, yep. uh, you know, and over the course of my career, I felt in and out of love, but like, that was it. That's when I was just like, you know what? You know, standing in front of the Dyna facility, child mm -hmm. hall then, Dyna facility yeah. now, looking at the uh, the handbook we had to read and trying to figure out where there were no women that were chief mass sergeants of the Air Force, none. Mm -hmm. I didn't even know that there was a female chief. There were none in my book. I was just like, well, I want that job. That's, that's what I'm going to do. And so it just, it bit me. And I was just like, yeah, this is it. This is what, this is what I want to do. And so back to my TI. So he retired as a Lieutenant Colonel Security Forces. Um, and once we got, got an uh, email, I would stalk him because I never wanted to be stationed anywhere near him. <laughs> <laughs> and so what happened was when I made chief, I had found some old pictures of him knife handing me. And I sent him those pictures in a really nice note telling him, thank you. So. That's awesome. That, that is awesome. Yeah. And I remember uh, that one time, oh, one of the many trips that we got to go to the Expeditionary Center and uh, me and Jose and I think Jesse Bame was in the car with us. Oh, yeah. And, that's uh, and right. Tanya. Yeah. Oh, was, yes. Yeah. We took that wrong turn in Philly, <laughs> man. And we went, <laughs> we were trying to go to Pat and Gino's and I don't know what Bame did, but we got off the off the bridge and we were underneath it. And look, I, so I grew up in Jackson Heights, Queens. I lived in Tacoma, Washington, and been to some rougher areas over there, and you know, it, and it failed in comparison to what we saw in South Philly that day. Man, I was telling you, man, I was thought it was like a movie. Like I was like, is this a movie? Um, it was like the, you know, you're used to seeing bars on the windows, but not the entire patio. Right? Yeah. I was like, 
it was oh, like that yeah. Dave Chappelle skit, right? Like <laughs> yeah. bail bonds, yeah. bonfire. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was, there was a bonfire right outside in front of somebody's yep. house and the fifty-five yeah. gallon drum. Yeah. I was like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm telling you, in my family, just experienced so much tragedy when I was stationed mm-hmm. at Nellis Air Force Base. Um, uh, my cousin's twelve-year-old son was killed. Mm. They were, they were, you know, just shots fired all the time in her neighborhood. And so she sent him to my aunt's neighborhood where she thought he would be safer. And a child his age had a gun, was playing with a gun and and killed my 12 year old nephew. Wow. Yeah, that's just, it's terrible. Yeah. Yeah, and there's a lot of stories like that out there too. And that's just, but um, I think it's awesome that you were able to um, use that as motivation to get out and like, to me, uh, to, Jose's point earlier is when I first met you, uh, I just like immediately was attracted to your energy and your just your realness. And, and I really yeah. looked up to you and I really, I'm just so grateful that we're all friends. Yeah. That was yeah. awesome. <laughs> yeah, you know, so. One thing I was thinking about <laughs> as you were talking, right. Is I, I didn't realize that we had such a similar story, right? Like you talked mm-hmm. about the three signs, you know, for me, um, I was, 17 you know i was i had i had some offers from some schools and you know i was thinking about doing it and i I just couldn't see myself asking my parents to pay for my way through life again Mm -hmm. when i i knew that i was capable and uh first recruiter i went to though was the marine corps right and uh i i went there and i was like yeah let's do this i was ready to go and my parents said "Uh -uh." you know (laughs) at that uh, you have to be signed yet your parents have to sign for you when you're 17 Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and my dad said absolutely not and I and I just I was just ready to go because you know similar to you, um, two weeks before I left, my my uh, my brother-in-law was murdered, and uh, I just I had to get out. I didn't want to be there anymore. Um, so it was it was different. Um, but but as as Joe kind of talked about, right? Like I think those things shape our past, but it doesn't define our future. And the thing that I loved about the military was everything is in front of you. And you decide how far you want to go and you decide where you want to get there. You know, um, a lot of that is in your control. So uh, I appreciate you sharing that because I know it's not often easy. Um, One thing that. Hey, real quick. So before we go forward, I was thinking, um, I just want to make sure everybody is 100 percent aware. Actually, the first time I met Glow. Uh, it wasn't like immediate connection. I think she yelled at me. So I just want to put that out there real quick. <laughs> I was working at the AFRC, right? At the front desk. I think I was kind of new too. I didn't even know what was going on. She walked in and said, hey, where's the where's the shirts meeting? And I was like, I, I don't know. And she was like, it's supposed to be here. I was like, ah, it's not here. She's like, it's supposed to be here. <laughs> and I'm like looking at the calendar and I'm like, ma'am it's uh it's not on the calendar i don't know where it's at and then she was she like stormed out the building <laughs> i was like man who was that lady <laughs> yeah i, I want to say i think it was before i became before i got my diamond oh, okay. yeah and i still didn't know my way around on yeah. trip. <laughs> that was Sorry, awesome Joe. i was like yeah so so by the it was our second uh encounter where i was like oh this person's awesome <laughs> <laughs> Good. Glad I got a redo. I got yeah, a redo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, so one of the things that I remember you you brought to uh, the unit at the time was you had just come from EO, right? And and so I'm a maintainer by trade, right? And so a lot of times maintainers shy away from that stuff because you know sometimes we pride ourselves in being not uh, in not being politically correct and saying what we think and this kind of stuff. 
Um, and I remember you got there and it was just a breath of fresh air because it wasn't a, uh, it wasn't forced down your throat. It was a, we're real people trying to have real conversations, but you need to be able to communicate to people that come from diverse backgrounds and be inclusive with it. Right. Um, so one of the things we want to talk to you about today is, you know, your current role, um, you're at Diomi. What is Diomi? What is that? What do they do for the, not just for the air force, but for the department of defense as a whole? Yeah, so DOMI is the acronym Defense Equal Opportunity Management Institute. Um, and we are the schoolhouse for the Department of Defense for all of the uh, equal opportunity advisors across the board to include the Coast Guard. Wow. And so not just that, so that's the what we do for the military, but we also mm -hmm. have mediation courses and courses um, on the civilian EEO side as well. We also have a leadership training awareness seminar which we're, um, we're kind of updating and working on so we could become a part of uh, senior enlisted leaders, commanders, and first sergeant um, professional education. We want to be the place where everyone comes to to mm -hmm. get that training. And yeah. so Diomi's been around since, matter of fact, next year we'll celebrate our 50-year anniversary. Oh, wow. Wow. Um, Diomi used to be the Defense Race Relations Institute. And mm. what's crazy is, you know, Travis had a riot in the 70s. Mm. And because of that riot, um, Diomi was born. Oh, wow. wow. Kind of like, you know, how I'm connected yeah. all, you know, all there. Full circle. Circle, yep. And so the schoolhouse, it's about a 62 military 62 military, 30 civilians, and then um, about uh, 30 some contractors, something like that. So it's about 130 of us total in that building. So we're total force. We have uh, Air National Guard, Reserve, Army National Guard, and Army Reserve there too. That's awesome. Um, yep. So we're we're across the board. It is mm -hmm. uh, a lot of personalities. It's a lot of you know a lot of personalities, but it's also a lot of fun because the one thing I did learn is that uh, once I figured out that foundationally our bases is all exactly the same, mm -hmm. um, I was dangerous, right? Like nobody could come to me and be like, "Well, we don't do this in the army," and I'm like, "Really? Because I think you do." You know, so. <laughs> you just call it something different, <laughs> right? So it's yeah. it's really fun. I met some really amazing people that I never would have crossed paths with otherwise. Yeah. That, and that's you awesome. know, what's cool about that too, is what you said. It's like, you're teaching it, but you got to live it too, because of the wide mm -hmm. swath of people that are there. So it's like, you're, you're applying 100%. everything you're teaching all day. Yes. <laughs> yes. And it's a little bit more simple because when, you know, when, when humans behave like humans, right. Mm -hmm. And everybody has emotions and we struggle with communication mm -hmm. and all this stuff, you know, it's easier at the Omi because I can go, now, you know, better than that. Right. <laughs> right. And you're like, Oh yeah, I do. Yes, you do. Yeah. You know, yeah. better than that. Right. Go fix it. So it's a little bit easier, you know, to kind of handle challenges, but we, we have the same challenges every other unit has because mm -hmm. you have people there. You have right. people. They are naturally yep. people and you know, they're very, the people at Diomi, I would say, crave connectedness um, probably more than any place I've ever been. Like mm -hmm. everybody wants connectedness and wants to feel like, you know, they belong and feel like they matter. But at Diomi, I feel like it's heightened because we teach it, right? Yeah, so that we makes teach sense. perfectly. And they're like, you know, Chief, you, you didn't say hello to me. And I'm like, what? Wait, <laughs> I didn't see right. you. You know, so right. it's right. very, um, it's, it's just even so, even now in this environment, once a week, we visit with every section. 
<clears throat> just to see, you know, how they're doing, what's going on, how are you, random text, so everybody can still feel connected. So it's, you know, it's good. It's good. Yeah. I enjoy yeah. it. Your staff is like, it ranges though, right? From, um, from senior leader all the way down, just like any other type of unit, you're going to have various ranks. We do. So our most junior is, um, so the Omi is army heavy, which is, right. which is a little different, right? For mm-hmm. Air Force team, the Omi is army heavy. And so our most juniors person is a E5 soldier, the sergeant. Okay. okay. And then yeah. our most senior is, um, we have three E9s right now. We're about to get a fourth. So we'll have Navy, Army, Marine Corps, and me. Okay. Wow. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, because I was thinking, like, you know, um, whenever you're in a schoolhouse of any type, um, when you're just talking about that, is you always wonder about the um, the ivory tower syndrome, where like these folks are there, and then you know they're kind of like feeling like um, everybody because you guys teach it, they get it, but then when they go to another unit somewhere, they're not getting it no more. They're like, how come? What's what's going on here? <laughs> right? Mm. I was like worried that they they get into that mode where like, wait. Like you guys aren't you guys aren't saying hello to me, you know. What I mean? like, so so it's always just a weird concern because you know transitioning from uh, specialty back to operational and you know it, it, it get rough out there. Right? It, it, it rough does, there. and a lot of people get to Diomi and they love it and they want to stay forever. And so you have to have the tough conversation and say, I need you to take all that you are, all that you've learned and give it back to your service. The point right. is mm-hmm. to make your service better. Here's right. the impact you can make. So we're consistently have that conversations because people get there and they're like, I want to extend. And you're like, oh, <laughs> you know, as my job as a senior enlisted advisor, I have to I have to look beyond um the one i have to look at their career i have to look at right. impact and the benefit that they'll exactly. make when they go back to their service right and so i'm consistently you know having conversations and i've grown as a uh as a communicator a lot so i'll i'll spend two hours you know if somebody just right. want to talk to me about how they feel or even if they just didn't like the decision they just want to let you know you know how they feel about it but at the end of the day they all salute smartly and, and press forward so yeah, I think um, one thing that I would, I've always thought, um, when you were at EO, at Travis, you and the team, um, I'll I just be frank with you, a lot of places, you know, they look at their EO team, and if they give them a call, they're like, oh, no, what happened, right? Like, why, why am I getting called by EO, right? And um, But for just my perspective from your team that you created over there, you created such a trust on the installation that... Um, yep. because you were just real and, you know, you, you took into consideration people are humans and they say things out of context, right. And things like that. And, um, when y'all were just being proactive, plus maybe even having some investigations that were required, it put people at ease. I thought, because you, mm-hmm. everybody felt like they were going to get a fair shake because y'all were honest and you knew people were people. And, um, yeah, I, I just applied that team was just awesome. And, and it was a lot of it was because of your leadership. No, well, thank you. I appreciate that. I think the biggest thing for us when we were at Travis Mm -hmm. is um, the preventative piece. Mm -hmm. And so that's why when I would go out and I would teach, like everybody was like, oh, Glow, you need to come over here, you know, and talk to our folks. Because I would tell them, listen, I'm not here to monitor what's in your head. I don't know that. But everything that's in your head does not need to come out of your mouth. Oh, yeah. You know, you cannot do that. You can't treat people this way. Mm -hmm. Um, You have to remember that beyond this uniform is a human first. Mm -hmm. And so anything you're going to say is going to harm that person internally you have to stop and think about that and I think people trust it because I didn't beat them over the head with right. it yep. we yep. talked about it and that's kind of what I carry with me for every EO office that I've ever been in I've let people be them I've had conversations um and I just told them 
just honestly, you know, how does that, why are you so bothered by that? I always would make it about that individual and we would kind of talk through their feelings, how they felt. And then I would end up giving them the other perspective, but I love what I do. Um, and it's, it's, we call it equal opportunity, right? But I learned from one of the gunny surgeons that I work with that equal opportunity is the end state. It's about understanding diversity. It's about trust and leadership. It's right. about trusting each other. It's about mm -hmm. being able to communicate. It's about respect, mm -hmm. right? Like respect. Right. So once you get all of that down, the equal comes. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think yeah. helping understand exactly what we do and the capabilities that we bring and that we give them at their schoolhouse. Everything that y'all saw at Travis, a lot of it was because I went through the, the Equal Opportunity Advisor course first. Mm -hmm. That's good. And it's, it's, it's good to know that we prepare people for that, right? Because, um, you know, I come from California, very diverse, uh, very inclusive, very, it's, it's different than other places you go. Um, and so you have to be able to train folks and get them to understand that um, somebody being diverse, somebody being different, you isn't a challenge on you. It, it can help you if you let, let it, because they're going to have a different perspective. You know, um, one of the things I wrote down when you were talking about, um, you know, where you came from and kind of the journey, right. Is that you've always been un unapologetically you, you've never been a fake person. You've always been, um, yourself. You've always spoken your mind. Um, and, but you've always had the relationships with people for them to understand that when you were coming at them and correcting them or, or just trying to give them advice from your perspective, it never came from a, a mean or hurtful place. It was just, this is, this is what you saw. And, and there was always good conversation. Um, I think in a, in a unit, in an organization, you need to be able to foster an environment where everyone feels that way, where they can come for, they can talk. Right. So how do you, how do you view diversity and inclusion in making an effective organization? So I think one, as a leader, you got to be willing to learn, right? Because if you walk into any organization and you think you're the smartest person there, mm -hmm. you need to check yourself and that ego at the door. And so with diversity, it's understanding that everybody comes from different backgrounds. And so I'll share with you, I have conversations, you know, in small pockets, mostly with other women of color. And I, mm -hmm. I have the conversations in, you know, one of the worst things somebody can say to me, and this y'all got me opening up on here. One of the worst <laughs> things, you know, one of the worst things to me that somebody can say is, "Oh, Gloria, I don't see color." And I go, "But it's okay to see color. It's okay to see that I am, I am black, I am beautiful, and I am a bad, you know what? <laughs> right? Like it's okay to see all of those things. And so you see it, and then you appreciate it, right? Mm -hmm. And you don't make decisions because of." but you don't make decisions not because of, right? Mm -hmm. So accept me and, and all of me. And if you have a question, ask it. So I think with diversity, we have to understand, and I'll give y'all an example. When I got to Diomi, my entire leadership team, all black females, my colonel, the deputy, mm -hmm. me, all black females. And so I had never saw that before, but people had a problem with it. Mm -hmm. but, but at Diomi, you know, they would ask, well, there's no diversity there. And I say, well, let me see. My boss is in her 50s. She's from Georgia. She is very, very conservative. I'm a wild card. I'm from Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. I'm Muslim. The only thing we have in common is our skin color. Talk to me mm -hmm. about how this is not diverse. Our backgrounds are completely different. Degrees completely different. Experience completely different. Mm -hmm. And so I think what people need to understand is when we say diversity, we always look at, um, you know, the, the outer exterior right. stuff. 
mm-hmm. when I have more in common with people who don't look like me. So you can get me with a white male boss and we could be completely the same. You mm-hmm. have no diversity there. Mm-hmm. You have mm-hmm. no diversity there. So I think mm-hmm. people need to, you, you look at skin color and that's okay, but you mm-hmm. still have to look beyond that because diversity is so much more than the color of our skin. But so if we don't talk to each other, we're not going to know that. Because mm-hmm. right. just like me and you, Jose, we different, but we're mm-hmm. alike. Because mm-hmm. we had that conversation today, we had similar backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Me and Joe, like Joe is so passionate about diversity. He's way more passionate than me, but it's <laughs> job, right? Mm-hmm. But me and him have that connection because he knows he can go, hey, look at this for me. You know, what do you think? And I can understand it. And I, mm-hmm. I think I've never said it out loud. I love that about Joe. Like, I love that. And so you will be surprised, you know, when people, people look along the wall and I have these conversations and they go, you know, I've looked on my leadership wall and they're all, you know, white males. And I go, well, yeah, if you look population wise, right? Like that's, Mm -hmm. that's more likely what you're going to have, but to automatically assume they were all the same is wrong. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, yeah, we, you're right. We always look at what it looks like on the surface. And just like we mostly evaluate people on just what we see initially. But yeah, 100%. Um, I think diversity of thought, like you're bringing up, is so important. I mean, you know, you could, like you said, you could look the same. But if you're from two totally different backgrounds, social economic class alone, let's just go with that. You'd have different perspectives on how life is. And to be able to leverage that, first of all, you got to know, you got to understand, you got to talk to that person, like you said, and then to be able to find ways to leverage it. That's all it takes. Mm-hmm. That takes deliberate planning, right? Deliberate. Yeah, and it's, it's not yeah. something that's just going to happen on accident. And um, I think that's awesome that you guys push that and that you have that perspective to be able to share with your folks. That's great. Yeah. I think the other thing too, people have to realize, right? It's a long-term investment. Um, unfortunately, nowadays, right? We want a, a quick answer. We want a quick solution. We want mm-hmm. things to happen immediately. But um, if you really want to get to know someone, that's a long-term investment. It's not going to happen in the first five minutes, 10 minutes, 30. I mean, we've known each other since 2010 and, and I'm discovering things right now that I right. didn't know, right? It's mm-hmm. a long-term thing. But I think in, and when you get to know someone and you see where they're coming from, it it allows you to understand their, their worldview. Um, and then you can kind of figure out where you need, uh, where, how you guys can, can work better as a team. I remember glow used to say something a lot and she used to say, um, you can't take someone where they need to go unless you meet them where they are. And I was like, man, like it it just Mm -hmm. made so much sense. Right. Because it's like pulling a dog that's on a leash. Right. Right. If you don't go meet them where they're at, they're not going to follow you. You got to, you got to get there where they're at. Right. Taking Mm -hmm. a horse to water. Like there's so many different things. Right. So, um, I think the same thing can be said with diversity inclusion, right? Like you really have to understand when we're, when we're in that squadron, I don't know if you knew this, um, glow, but there was a, uh, by the way, this is really hard for me to call you glow because it was always shirt. It was always chief. (laughs) It's very weird. Um, but, uh, I remember there was, there was, uh, one of our teammates, he, um, he talked about this story where he had, it was an African-American friend and where this guy came from, the word saying boy didn't matter. Right. And so he would call his friend boy. And finally the dude said, look, man, are, are we not friends? He goes, yeah, absolutely. Why? He goes, you keep calling me this and where I'm from, this is what this means. And he's all, I didn't know that. I'm sorry. You know? And, and so they, they were able to have a meaningful conversation versus that, that bad argument, right? And they were able to maintain the friendship and they understood and they never had any issues, but it takes that initial engagement to kind of, to get through those things. So um, I appreciate that. Um, 
So I asked you a question on text message earlier. I'm not going to ask that same question. I'm going to phrase it a little bit differently, but I think we'll get <laughs> to the same kind of thing, right? So back in uh, December of 18, you wrote an article for us, and the article was called Mind Your EQ. Yeah. Um, so it, when, when you think about EQ or emotional intelligence, was there a person who kind of it, it made you think, oh, you know what? This is important. I got to get better at this because of something that happened to you or maybe something that happened to someone else? Sure. So I think the worst experience that I could think of when I was young, my mom passed away in January 2001. So before she, that was from her second bout with cancer. So my mom had, she was diagnosed with cancer when I was 13. So she had fought, you know, for years. And so she got sick again and, and I went home and I didn't have a whole bunch of leave because I was separating from the Air Force. And that's what a lot of people don't know. Like I was using up all my leave. I was, I was done. Um, 2001 was the end of my contract. I was finished. And so when my mom got sick, you know, she was like, I want you to come home. And I was like, oh, you know, I don't know if I can. I don't have leave and I'll come home later. My best friend called me and she said, you need to come home. Because I, you know, you didn't have video chat back then. You didn't have phones. So I didn't see my mother. And so when I got home, my mom had lost all this weight. Um, and she was just, my mom was sick. My mom was dying. Right. Mm -hmm. And so over time, you know, I, I was telling myself that she wasn't. So I went home cause she wanted us to come home for, for Christmas. And so I went, I was there. And so, um, she went to the hospital the 27th of December mm. and they kept her. And mm. so the doctors would tell me, you know, Hey, your mom only has this time to live, but I'm an optimist. They say your mom got six, three days to six weeks. I'm like six weeks. I got six weeks. I'm going <laughs> to fix this, right. which was, you know, right. something I had to get over, right? I'm going to fix this. And so, uh, so my mom's in the hospital. They, they release her and she's, she's home. And so, uh, I'm taking care of her, you know, and she, she can still talk in and out of sleep. She's in and out of sleep, but she can still talk. And she's saying things like, you know, it's so funny. You know, I used to clean you. Now you're cleaning me. And you know, we just shared all those moments. And so, um, oh, <laughs> Oh no, take your time. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, just... So when she passed, <clears throat> I called my supervisor and I said, you know, my mom passed away. I don't, I don't know what to do because I'm supposed to come back. And he goes, well, can't your brothers and sisters take care of everything because you have an inventory to do. Wow. So I hung up <laughs> And I said, well, I guess the cops gonna come looking for me because I'm not leaving. Mm -hmm. But the part that I didn't get to, this is where I think my love for the Air Force grew. So my friends were all like me and I'm gonna call her by name because she's a senior master sergeant now, but she was an A1C then. And so he goes into the office and he's basically like, yep, I'm gonna get rid of her to airmen. This man was a master sergeant. I'm gonna get rid of her, blah, blah, blah. And he's talking and talking. And through that, you know, Tamara's like, she picks up that my mom passed away. Mm. She runs and she tells our flight chief who was a retired chief. And he calls me and he said, you do what you need to do. We got you here. And so, awesome. yeah, so I stayed home, took care of everything. I ended up going in the whole 40 days of leave. 
Um, <laughs> they figured out I ended up having to re-enlist. Um, but look, it's too late now. I don't think nobody going to go on my records and get it. But when networking was real, yeah. got yeah. to the closest base to Philadelphia, put mm-hmm. a uniform on, uh, re-enlisted. In between the people at McGuire who probably retired now, the people at yeah. McGuire, the people at Nellis, right? Like they mm-hmm. took care, they took care of me as an airman. Mm-hmm. And so um, I go on to uh, to PCS to Japan, mm-hmm. and 12 months to the day that my mom passed away, I met Rodney. Wow. Um, I always wow. tell him, you know, he he saved my he saved my life because it's rough. You know, not because my mom was my champion, right? Because every time I, you know, I go, mom, you know, I had the type of mother that's like, uh, well, what do you want to be? But you grow up. I want to be superwoman. She'd be like, girl, well, let's go get a cake. You know? <laughs> she kind of instilled in me, whatever it is you want to do, you do that. Nobody can, you know, tell you different. Nobody's going to make you believe different. And so those are some of the foundational things that I had joining the Air Force. And I think that's why I always have that message. Like when you go, oh, I, I can't do that. You know, because that's the part Jose didn't say. When I said, hey, I want you to be my shirt. I'm going on va- on vacation. Well, I, I'm just a tech sergeant. I can't. <laughs> I'll be fine. You know, and then I take my leave and I go. Because I think I, I just need people to understand everything you set out to do. It's all, it's all you. Because you're going to have people. I have friends in my life right now who have people in their life who deliberately will sit them down and tell them what they can't accomplish. I've never heard of such a thing. It's just so crazy to me. And so I'm always the person on the other side that's like, nah, let me explain to you why you can absolutely do this. And so that's just, I got that from my mama. Yeah, that, that's awesome. Yeah, I think that uh, when you're talking about, for one thing, Jose, every time Jose is one of those dudes that he always, like the way we see him, and versus the way he sees himself, <laughs> there's a huge gap. We, I think we see like something exponentially higher because the dude's so yeah. amazing. But, yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, some of the points that you brought in that story is just so amazing because you know what? I think um, right now, and, and, and I think it's getting a little bit better. I might be just, you know, seeing it subjectively right now. But for a while, it felt like everybody focused on all the bad stuff that uh, that leadership does to them in the Air mm-hmm. Force. And, um, and, and you know what? It happens. We know it does. You just shared a story that it happened, right? But, but there's yeah. also some great stuff, like, like that retired chief that took care of you. I mean. Oh, absolutely. Mr. Uh, Dan Winters. Yeah, I remember I just, his name. <laughs> Mr. Dan Winters. Yeah, that is amazing. And I think we hold ourselves to a standard, which we should, because we should be held to a certain standard, right, overall. Mm-hmm. And, um, and and we get that beat into our heads, but we got to understand we're a microcosm of, of society, right? Everything yep. that's happening out there. And I'll tell you, if you go to any organization, you're going to have plenty of toxic leaders. You're going to have yeah. plenty of great leaders, right? Mm-hmm. And you're going to have all those. And you get to choose what you want to focus on and which one, uh, which ones of them you want to let influence you and how you become um there's a choice there yeah so that that's amazing um that's a great story thank you so much for sharing that you're welcome yeah i want to highlight something right because you talked about it but i want to i want to really highlight the importance of something you talked about your friend you said is it tamra yes tamra lily i gotta tell you um like those to me that's what gives me so much hope for the air force or for society in general right because it's someone who despite maybe not being in a position where they can make the decision, they had the boldness and they had the willingness to go and speak on, on behalf of somebody else, not even themselves. They went and said, this isn't right. And maybe yeah. you don't know about it, but can you please help? And, and I remember, um, you know, during my time as a shirt, 
you know, you'd meet those people and you're like, man, I wish I could promote them right now because you know, yeah. they have the, they have it. There's just something in them that they know what, what the purpose behind everything that we do, whether it's as a military, as a family, as an organization, whatever, they understand that it's about the people and taking care of them. Um, and that's just something that it's just awesome. I, so for anybody out there that's listening, you know, like, don't, don't forget how important that is. Stand up for the other people that maybe don't have a voice or don't have the strength at that point because mm. we need you. Right. And, and then, I, you know, people are going to make the assumption that she was able to just do that because, you know, like she wasn't afraid. Right. I mean, like all mm-hmm. of us have that, you know, it might be like, well, is that going to, you know, is that going to be a bad thing for me? Or, you know, people just it's natural that you're going to have that feeling. But she overcame those things. I'm assuming, 100%. you know, I don't I don't know, Tamara, but shout out to Tamara. But, but uh, <laughs> you know, but, uh, you know, just because you, you're bold enough to make that call doesn't mean you had to you didn't have to overcome some fear. Right. And yep. to do it. So and that's we what Kurt's all about. Yeah. We had an environment because sometimes mm-hmm. I realize in organizations mm-hmm. that your your leadership, your commander, your chief, your first sergeant, mm-hmm. your, you know, the leaders above you, all of them could foster an environment where yes. what she did was absolutely what we wanted you to do. Mm-hmm. And then you have those leaders um in the middle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm kind of stop you from that. And I think that's the hard part, right? That's the hard nut to crack because my unit, it was the 99th supply squadron back then, but my (laughs) unit definitely fostered an environment where it's like, we will take care of you. We just need to know you come to me. Mm -hmm. You let me know because I will tell you after 40 days, when I came back, you know who picked me up from the airport? My commander. Mm. Wow. My commander picked me up wow. from the airport. And so it was an environment there where you could grow and flourish. And it was just that individual. And I will tell you, when I got back from them 40 days, we used to crack jokes. This didn't happen, but we used to crack jokes and say, we wonder if Mr. Mr. Winters threw the master sergeant in the river and killed him. Yeah. <laughs> and they, said, they said the day after all of that happened, like after Mr. Winters took care of me and made sure I was squared away, that the master sergeant was gone. Wow. He was going, we, he ended up going to Creech (laughs) out of that squadron. And so that is the type of leadership that I've had. Like, you know how people say they stumble. I stumbled when I was younger, but I always had just really great leaders on top of speckles of, of some that empowered me and made me bold and made me understand it is okay for you to speak up. You don't just sit there and deal with this behavior. And mm-hmm. so that's, I think that's overall, if I could give that to the entire military, like I would give them that because I really do believe we still have some amazing leaders out there who just don't know right. what's going on. They just don't know. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And then what, it's not because they don't want to either. It's just, man, I'm the telling layers. you what, yeah, the level, the layers. And I, I, yeah, from my experience, I think leading about 80 people, that was the, the, the most effective I was able to feel because, you know, 80 people, you can get to know them all, you know, you get to a certain point and probably a little mm-hmm. bit more than that. But once it hits like 400, 500 people, you're like, yeah. man, and then you start feeling bad, right? Cause you don't know stuff. Yep. But I mean, that's a, that's yeah. a, a giant ship you're trying to, <laughs> trying to steer. Um, so it, it's important that middle. And, and that's why I think it's so important to have that trickle down mentorship. Um, for a long time, I felt like senior NCOs were mentoring airmen right? Or they were just trying to get promoted. It just seemed like they were going one way or the other. And then these young airmen immediately were out of FTAC. It's like, how I make BTZ? 
how do I become the chief master on Air Force? And you're like, okay. And then the NCOs in the middle, they just kind of <laughs> left out there. You know, they're just left out mm-hmm. there and they're not getting that mentorship down. And that's when they make mm-hmm. a lot of those bad choices. You know, they, they're yep. making assumptions off of intent. And when we, we really teach people that culture down and focus on that next level and empower them to teach the level below them. And my NCOs, I want you to teach your airmen the stuff that we're teaching you. That's when you kind of, you know, kind of, flatten out that that um that we called it flattening the toxic <laughs> the, the, the yeah. curve on toxic leadership yeah uh-huh. i think that's where you kind of get there uh and, and there's some just bad people out there unfortunately you know there are and then we got to you know send them places <laughs> you know usually <laughs> out the door right yeah. but, um, but i think this is to me this is why i love 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 emotional intelligence mm-hmm. so much like i am a fan i'm so much a fan that my boss who is amazing to me she allowed me to get a couple of the uh instructors as train nice. the trainers so nice. they're going to be able to have the ability to have mm-hmm. workshops because i think it's so important that people just stop for a second and be honestly reflective Right. And where you need to grow, right? Because I don't like the word weakness, but you're mm-hmm. strong in other places and in some mm-hmm. other places you just need to work on. And mm-hmm. I think it's important for people to just feel in a safe space that they can honestly assess themselves and do better. But I also feel like if you just don't want to do better, you have to go because we cannot continue to have environments where people feel helpless and they feel lost and they don't want to say anything and they go into their box and then they ultimately harm themselves. Mm -hmm. It bothers me, you know, emotionally to think that it's somebody out there who felt like that that was their only option. Mm -hmm. And I think that emotional intelligence to me is important on so many levels. And I think my children, my children, when you're when you're the children of military members, we bring some of this stuff home, like all the resiliency stuff that we mm-hmm. learned at Travis. Yeah. Oh, I'm yeah. throwing that on my kids <laughs> yeah. all the time, and yeah. they're just they're just different type of children because they're getting mm-hmm. that. But in normal households, that's not happening. Right. And so that's why when right. we get our airmen and they come they come to us, we have to also look at how we want to you know basic train them to teach you how to put your uniform on, teach you how to follow rules, and to teach you all this other stuff. But then when they get to us at our units. We have to help them grow as humans and be able to deal with adversity before they're in an adverse situation. We want to help them deal with adversity when they're going through it. We'll catch them before they go through it so they're armed when they go, because they're going to. They're going to face hard times. Something's going to happen. You're going to stumble. Nobody has a perfect career field or a perfect life. You Mm -hmm. may be awesome at work, but you may meet somebody that you like and you thought they liked you, but really they just wanted to clean out your bank account. Those things happen. So if we arm them with certain tools before they get there, I think that they will be better equipped to deal with it, get over it and move forward. Yeah, absolutely. You got to do the reps. You got to put some reps in. Um, Sometimes it's just the conversations and sometimes it's, it's, uh, I don't know, in my case, uh, I actually had to go through some actual reps, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. fortunately my parents built us to be pretty resilient. So um, yeah, we got to get that for them. Um, so I know this is like probably the, like the fourth or fifth time we've talked about emotional intelligence on the podcast with, with very different topics. Right. So I'll, I'll be honest with you guys. Like, um, it's one of the things I got to get better at as far as like knowing all the different portions that go into the different things. So I did like a, a quick dive on the internet. Right. And so emotional intelligence has five elements, um, self-awareness, self-regulation, motivation, empathy, and social skills. Um, do you guys have any uh, recommendations on how someone can increase their capacity for any of those or all of them? 
Um, so I got two things. So they have free um, assessments online. Oh. Google. They have free assessments online. But the, uh, what is his name? It's a t uh, Emotional Intelligence 2.0. Oh, is if that Goldman? If you buy that book, Okay. If you buy that book, you get a free assessment. Okay. Okay. So, I mean, the book isn't free. So about $13, right. you get like a, you know, a for real, no kidding assessment that comes right. with it. Okay. And so those, I would, I would recommend that people just go do, go do those because the book is good. Right. The book is good and you can continuously refer to it with the hard, the hardback, you know, the hardcover book. But I think it's important to just start there. There, um, I have like different links. Like there's a, uh, a link for Harvard. Okay. And it it, it kind of looks at, um your biases too which biases play into emotional intelligence too right and yeah. so it kind of looks into so i'll share those if you want that'd yeah, be please. awesome yeah we sure we always put all that stuff into the show notes because you know people listen to this and then they want to kind of look into the books or whatever else it might be um so those are great resources yeah but i'm a fan i always joke with uh with um but he fine i always joke with Chief Holland, who was amazing, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. And we watched yeah. each other grow and we helped each other yeah. grow. And I had a phenomenal time in security forces. I, I love maintenance too, yeah. Jose. Uh -huh. but I had a uh -huh. time in security yeah. forces. <laughs> oh, yeah. Talk about, you know, just how much I watched him grow. And mm -hmm. he went to a training course and he got uh, a whole day of emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. And I just, it just warms my heart to watch him because he is amazing. And any, oh, he is, any defenders yeah. that get him, they yeah. are so lucky to have him. So yeah, and he's Didi, the dude right now. <laughs> he <laughs> is. Yeah, he is Didi. So we're about yeah. to uh, we're, we're working on getting him on here too to have a chat. He's so. awesome. He got an awesome story. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That'd yeah. Be awesome. You know what? I, I I feel fortunate, blessed, whatever you want to call it, right? Like when you think about the cadre of folks that came out of Travis at that mm -hmm. time period, like just yeah. around around the around the world, around the Air Force, you know, like it's. It's awesome, you know, iron sharpens iron, so it's 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 good to know that. Yeah, and you know, like once you move around, around, yeah, when you move around, you realize it wasn't like that everywhere. I mean, I, it's just, it's very clear, right? I'm going around, I'm like, whoa, you know, because I, I learned how to be a senior NCO at Travis from um, people like Glow, from uh, Mike Holland and all the teams. And I think it's just kind of, it's, it's awesome, you know? Yep. Uh, yeah, it's just, it was pretty awesome because although we, you know, when you get a bunch of alphas together, there's going to be some um, disagreements. Uh, <laughs> one thing that I could tell you is that across the board as a general you know, uh, generally, everybody was just trying to do the right thing. You know what yeah. I mean? They were just trying to do the right thing. And people had the humility to, to do, be willing to do whatever they needed to do um, mm -hmm. to help each other out. And then the confidence to know that, you know, we can, I, I'm good enough to do it too, you know? So it was an awesome combination yeah. of people. Yeah. Um, so Glow, you gave us some resources, right? Um, one thing that I want to know, right? Just constantly lifelong learning, right? One of our things we want to do is, so right now is a, is a very special time for you, right? In your religion, right? Being a Muslim. Um, what, what is Ramadan? Yeah. Oh. So, you know, I, I'm going to tell you, Glow, I, I know, uh, I know you do it. I know it happens. I know um, the term and I, 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 I tie it with the, the fasting part, but I'll be totally, I'm totally ignorant on it. So I'd, I'd love a little <laughs> lesson right here. Yeah. Okay. So I, I love it. So Ramadan is the last month of the, uh, the Islamic calendar. It is also the month. Why it's so special. It's also the month where the Holy Quran was revealed to the Prophet Muhammad uh, which means peace be upon him. And so 
when Muslims fast, it is, I guess in the easiest term, a reset. So during the month of Ramadan, it's not just about fasting. You're fasting, of course, because the thirst reminds you of all the people who don't have clean water mm -hmm. to drink or water at all. The mm -hmm. hunger reminds you of all the people who don't have what you have. Um, and they, they can't eat on a regular basis. So the hunger of the poor. But you're also supposed to read the Quran, understand it more, pray more, be nicer more. Um, <laughs> Cause you know me, I'm I'm feisty, right? So during Ramadan, I am not. Um, I, I pick and choose my battles wisely. I am more cognizant of what I am going to say, um, how I say it, and just to live the principles of Islam because it really is what people don't understand. It's such a peaceful religion, mm -hmm. and it's just so beautiful because you're you're in harmony that entire time. And so Muslims use that time to bring themselves closer to God and just focus on what we're here to do. And for a Muslim, what we are here to do is to serve God in the uh, best way humanly possible. And that is being kind to your fellow neighbor. It doesn't matter what religion they are. It doesn't matter what background they are, but being kind to them, taking care of them, taking care of each other, remembering God's words, um, and just bringing yourself, just centering yourself on the principles of your religion. So that's just basically what it is. And I'm smiling because it, Muslims look forward to this time because right. we are here too and we fall short, but we're so excited and we feel so lucky and fortunate that we have this month every year to basically get your life. So <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty awesome. And I think that 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 education piece and understanding that is, is so vital because I think this is my personal opinion. There's people that attach, you know, their personal beliefs of what they see on TV and everything else, right? But then there's the other people that just want to be on their team and then they want to create the other. And if you're not on my team, then you must be, you know, the other. And mm -hmm. it's just it's just such an unhealthy way to live because we're all human beings. We're all here to take care of each other, you know, and mm -hmm. and um and just hearing you tell, explain that to us, I think, I mean, it just brings even more value to me, to a view on a religion that I always thought was just so amazing, just from the perspectives and the people that I know, but um, mm -hmm. being educated a little bit more on what you're dealing, because I was thinking, I was like, man, you're, I've seen athletes during Ramadan, right? And they're not able to drink water and they are still crushing it. I'm like, what kind of yeah. mental and physical toughness do you have? I mean, it is right. mental toughness to get through that. Mm -hmm. But um, but like even you glow, like you're 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 deliberately trying to, you know, concentrate on how you're gonna react to people and do all those things yeah. during this. I mean I'm days when I don't have coffee, that's a struggle, right? I mean, like, you know what I mean? So, so I'm like, man, that, that's a challenge, you know? And I think I had told you before, Glow, that I wanted to kind of at least put myself through that experience, uh, maybe not for the whole month, maybe, you know, or the whole time, but um, at least kind of understand it just because I think it's it's important for us to to, to put ourselves through those experiences so we can empathize with, um, mm -hmm. with, with people that we work with and the people that we love and call friends, you know? So yep. um, yeah, that's something that I'm really interested in. I know you're going to give me some tips to make sure I don't, I don't hurt myself. Yeah, don't, yeah. <laughs> it's important. It's, and it's, and the goal is to keep those habits, right? The goal is to create a habit. And you know, when you do something for about 30 days, that's why we yeah. have, we look at the fitness challenge. Fitness mm -hmm. challenges are for 30 right. days. And right. these other challenges are for 30 days. So yeah. for 30 days, um, the goal is to create a habit. Mm -hmm. um, and so 
I think uh, I, I shared it on a, a post before, like the most beautiful Ramadan I've had the whole time I've been Muslim, which I reverted to Islam in 1997. Um, so the, the beautiful part was when I was at Al-UD. And when I tell you that the team of the 379th FSS, they figured out what iftar was. And I mean, they had beautiful dinner for me every night for 30 days in the room mm. they, they they you know made sure nobody else would have the room and they mm. all would come and eat with me right and that was just it was just so awesome yeah. and so they would always laugh because they would bring something to me during ramadan and i'm going that's fine what do you think we should do and they're like oh we like ramadan chief <laughs> 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 but i learned you know what i learned from them i got to watch them just handle business and so it mm -hmm. became a habit just to kind of speak softly communicate a little bit differently and to read because even now there's a course that i'm taking that's free because of the current situation where you can a diploma in islamic studies and I need to be smarter on my religion because I realize the more I let people in, because y'all know I'm, I'm with my friends, I'm completely open, but normally I'm just really private. I don't want people, you know, in my business too much. The more I open myself up, the more I'm like, I have to speak out. I have to talk about our religion because we have airmen that are Muslim and they're looking at me and they, you know, they need, need something from me. So I have to make sure that I articulate um, our religion properly because mm -hmm. it is it is just it's just such an amazing thing because i always tell people they go when when did you become muslim and i'm like i've been muslim the whole time you've known me mm -hmm. right. I, I, to be fair i didn't i had no idea yeah same we, here we've, we've all been like really close friends it just never came up right because i right. think a lot of the principles with 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 the with a lot of the the major religion i guess we can call it that um they're very much this they're very much the same in principle right you might have different dogmas mm -hmm. or different practices but um they're very much the same, you know. I, I like to tell people that if I do everything in love, you can get along, you can get along with anybody. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Just don't have any kind of bad yeah. bad things in your heart, kind of thing. Um, I appreciate you going into that. You know, I tr I tried to get smart on stuff, right? I'm a nerd. Once I want to learn something, I'm YouTubing and <laughs> yeah. reading and all kinds of yeah. stuff. So I was watching these different things um, about that, and and I was thinking about just the fast itself, right? Because in the Christian um, religion, they, you know, during Lent, you know, you'll do the same kind of thing. Um, it, I don't know if I could make it without drinking water throughout the day though. Right. But there's a, there's a beauty in that too. Right. Because yeah. you, you, like Joe mentioned, right. It's that mental toughness it's that spiritual toughness you have to develop for yourself. It's, it's and you're awesome. doing it for a reason, right? right? I know that my reason is to grow spiritually and to tell y'all the truth. I don't, I'm not hungry. I don't, you know, I'm not like I'm, I'm fasting right now. Like I'm not hungry. Right. I'm not, I'm not thirsty. Um, you know, towards the end of the day, I, I minimize, like, I don't go do PT, you know, like, I'm, I conserve my energy like I'm supposed to. And there's, like, Islam has rules for everything. So the biggest part is it's a uh, suhoor. And suhoor is breakfast. You have to eat that and you have to eat certain healthy things. And so that's kind of what I share with other people. I don't, I don't miss it. I will get up at three o'clock if I have to, to make myself something healthy to eat and take my time and drink water. And it really does satisfy me for the entire day. And of course you don't, you know, I'm not going out there running two miles while I'm fasting. That would be absolutely insane. <laughs> Except for Joe, Joe over here trying to run half miles or so, half marathons. Yeah, but I'm not fat. I'm, no, so not, I'm not. not. Ramadan, right? so, yeah. So I'm not fasting like that. And that's the beautiful part about it is you follow the rules. Islam lines it out. So you, it's, mm. Islam lines it out so you don't get sick. And that's certain good. people, don't have to fat. When you're pregnant, you don't yes. fast. 
because mm-hmm. you have to take care of the baby, right? right when yes. you're sick or ill, because it's not supposed to make you sick or ill. Yep. It mm-hmm. is it is designed for you to have focus and mm-hmm. to focus on those things that, that matter. So right. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So so my fast is basically I just drink water and coffee until noon, which is really more like time restricted eating <laughs> versus fasting. But I have been like trying to push myself on the cardio piece during that because I just part of it's mostly discipline. But you know, I just want to test myself. But um but it's not even close to what you guys are doing. <laughs> and like no. even the ones that are the athletes, like I'm saying, I'm like, I just don't, I just, it, it blows my mind that they're able to perform. We're not talking about out there playing pickup basketball. We're talking about performing at an yeah. Olympic yeah. level, right? Uh-huh. I mean, like what, what kind of discipline and mental strength do you have to, to get through that? And it's just, it just blows my mind for sure. So speaking along the same lines, right? Um, so I don't know if you remember this, Globe, but do you remember back, um, I, I still had the diamond on, I was at uh, Masawa, right? And I had an airman um, and she came to me and, and she had come from tech school and she was looking at getting a, um, a religious accommodation to where her, her um, oh my goodness, why am I, I am totally- uh, Hijab. Right Hijab, now. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I've been- is hijab? I've been saying it wrong the whole time. Yeah. Okay. Hijab? hijab. Is it hijab? Okay. H-I-J-I-B. Cool. Yeah, you're fine. There we go. Yeah. So so she uh so she wanted to get one right and we went through this whole process and, and long story short, we ended up getting there. Um but that's something that you went through as well, right? Like can you yeah. describe that process and how that how that was? Um so I don't know if I ever told you this either. Like Jose, when you called me, you was like, Hey, so I got this this airman and she wants a religious accommodation i was like really because i had been thinking about it but i hadn't you know i hadn't done it mm-hmm. and so that was like again a sign right like that was, <laughs> <laughs> that, was one of, that was one of my signs and so uh-huh. it was like her and then it was a friend i knew in the army she got her waiver and then my friend vanessa she goes to work at the uniform board so i was oh. like oh i must yeah so when when i talked to you vanessa had just got up there Wow. And so um, those, that was my sign, right? And so mm-hmm. I'm in a joint environment, which is weird because we're under a defense agency. So we don't work for the Office of the Secretary of Defense. I'm not really assigned to Patrick Air Force Base. And so the first part was finding out who's going to do the waiver. Mm-hmm. And so Patrick was like, well, I don't tell you, you know, you're not assigned here. And I'm like, what? Well, who helps me do this? I was the first one. <laughs> And at Patrick to do it, so everybody is confused. But mm-hmm. I'll tell you what, I called uh, I called AFDW, and it was a staff sergeant that answered the phone. She was like, "We got you, Chief. What you need?" Next thing I know, I got a phone call from somebody else, and it was moving like that. Wow. So AFDW, if there is anybody who you know wants the religious accommodation and they are in a joint environment, then AFDW takes care of it. They do now. <laughs> that's yeah. that's good right it's always difficult right when you're paving the way and you're trying to figure out different things um because it so it was always something that was possible but what i appreciate yeah. that the air force has done recently is with the new 2903 which is uh like the air force's dress and appearance instruction right they tell you everything from how you can wear your hair and nail polish and how long you know a male's mustache can be i mean everything's in there um they recently made it a whole lot easier uh, to including um, having sample memorandums in the back, whereas before you just, oh, just draft a memorandum. And you always right. get that. And you're like, well, what does it need to say? Oh, just draft it. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. So right. yeah. it made a lot easier. So that's good. They have. And be, so ever since, so I was going to do a religious accommodation when I first became Muslim in 97. 
Mm-hmm. And so back then, you had to do one every time you PCS. Mm-hmm. And so the wing commander could only approve you to wear it indoors. And so there was no mechanism <laughs> yeah. to get it to the Air Force to wear it outdoors. And yeah. then it was just so weird. This is my eighth base. Like mm-hmm. I literally would have had to just right. keep doing it. And it was so yeah. it was so frustrating and just deflating. And it's not right. because of the Air Force. I just think time and place, right? We right. weren't mm-hmm. at a time where we had people who could give advice and counsel as mm-hmm. they should have. Mm-hmm. And so the Army was actually first in how they kind of revolved theirs. And then we we followed them. And I think I am so proud of the Air Force for giving it to the wing commanders and then making it a one and done. Right. And yeah, so like the the, the problem is so funny because they like sometimes they don't know. But then there's a lot of blowback that I've seen and read, you know, and I try not to read stupid comments on, on Facebook and social media because sometimes it just gets toxic. But yes, but, but but I've seen some stuff where I was talking about, well, um, so, some of the explanations are, you know, it's a uniform, it's a uniform. And then the other ones, and by the way, my uniform has changed numerous times since I've been in the Air Force. So, but um, four times. Yeah. <laughs> but besides that, like some people are like, oh, you're going to open up the doors for people to ask for all kinds of stuff. And I was like, okay, look, if you get, and by the way, I've been around a little bit now. I haven't seen too many just random wild requests come up. I mean, sometimes you do get them, right? But, mm-hmm. but if those are worth, the risk of taking, you know, to assume those to be able to accommodate an entire group of American airmen that want to serve, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, like, okay, so I get a weird request every now and then that I got to like really investigate. But these ones I get on this side is because it makes them feel more comfortable and be able to live their meaning and purpose. Mm-hmm. Like, that sounds like a risk I would want to assume every single time as a leader, right? 100%. <laughs> yeah, and it just, you know, it just doesn't make sense. But I think a lot of it is we project our own. And then we're also creating the other all the time, like I talked about earlier. But um, I was thinking, like, well, what kind of, like, did you get a lot of blowback when, when, when you, because um, like you said, you set the example, too, because you didn't just get the approval. You, you set the example, which I think is so important that, you know, we we lead by example by showing people more than just you know just doing it behind. Uh, and I always talk about there's no off button to leadership. And you, if you've done it, you've shown us, you've put it out there. And I assume that there's going to be there was some blowback that you might have got some static on the way. Yeah. So <laughs> somebody, you know, I'm not. You're not. You don't have personal relationships with everybody on Facebook, mm-hmm. but. The day that I got my waiver, already, you know, I was already ready. I had my jab. And so the day after I got my waiver, I came to work and I took a picture in front of this lamp at, at, at my job. And so I put, you know, just being who you are and, you know, living your truth and all that. And so I posted on my personal page. And, you know, all my friends saw it. Y'all saw it. Oh, you know, blah, blah, blah. Somebody screenshot it. And sent it to the Airman NCO and Senior NCO Oh, page. of course. I'm at the house. <laughs> playing uh phase 10 with my children mm-hmm. and my niece and nephew was here so i'm playing phase 10 with them and i'm like getting text messages like crazy oh girl you famous lol right because we talk about that page mm-hmm. yeah and so at first i was irritated but i watched chief fry chief selena fry go yeah. through it i've watched mm-hmm. other leaders go through it right. and the advice they always gave me is you know you don't don't combat negativity with negativity right, right. It doesn't matter. Those people don't know you, blah, blah, blah. But I will tell you what. I started reading those comments. 
And all of a sudden, I see airmen and senior NCOs and NCOs mm-hmm. and officers and people who knew me and knew who I was, and they were not having it. They were not having it at all whatsoever. And so I ended up not having to see anything. And it was this one, it was this one comment where this guy was like, um, you know, how he felt about me wearing my hijab and uniform. And somebody goes, I bet you won't tell her to her face. Yes, I will. And they tagged me. Chief, this person is at Patrick. He got something he wanted to say to you. And so the, little, the young man, right? Like he deletes his comment. He didn't want no smoke, but, man. Right. And so it bothered, it bothered me. Um, but on the other side, like people, people I hadn't talked to in years was like, this is what you're not going to do. You know, and they kind of took it for me. I didn't mm-hmm. have to say anything. So right. I just realized that those that mattered most, mm-hmm. the people that I took care of, those are the people who were like, um, right. you know, you don't understand who she is. And they weren't worried about what was on my head. It was all about what was in my heart. And mm-hmm. so it was just, it, I think whoever screenshotted it, right? Like it, I often wonder if they got the opposite of what they wanted. Right. Because yeah. people don't send things to that page for, mm-hmm. for nice stuff, for mm-hmm. nice comments. They don't. Mm-hmm. And they, they send it because they want controversy. They want to see, you know, what right. people are going to say. Mm-hmm. And, but on what other people don't know, too, in that same post or maybe a day or two, I also had a team building thing that we did with hula hoops. And so that same person screenshot that and sent that to Airman NCO and Senior NCO page mm-hmm. as well. Right. But um, you know, that didn't get that much attention. And so it's been um, but nobody has, you know, people people were asking me, well, when did you become Muslim? When did you become Muslim? And so that's why I put that post. You know, I've been Muslim since mm-hmm. 97. Mm-hmm. My in Philadelphia, it's a large Muslim community there. Mm-hmm. You you can't get out of Philadelphia and not know something about Islam. You can't. Mm-hmm. Um, my the males in my family, they're Muslim. So we've been around, I've been around the religion my entire life. Um, and so, you know, really that incident with Airman Ensign was senior and so that was the only that was the only thing I had. Nobody, I think people have questions. I right. really do. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why they won't ask them. You know, they mm-hmm. don't want to lose my friendship or they don't want to offend me. Right. Um, but some people will come and ask me more so of, hey, I have an airman and this airman is Muslim mm-hmm. and how do I take care of him or her, right? So I haven't gotten any, you know, nobody's come to me to my face, you know, and kind of yeah. it about me wearing my hijab. But I know, I know that it happens. I have not heard anything about it happening in the Air Force. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I hear a lot of uh, stories from some of my sisters in the army, just some of the things that they're going through. Mm-hmm. But I've been fortunate. To, I've been fortunate, but I also don't put things public either. Mm-hmm. Right. On, I don't. I very, very rarely where I where I will put something that that public people can, you know, that anybody right. can. Mm-hmm. From. Yeah. Um, yeah. I had a, a comment at one time on um, Instagram. And uh, I, it was a Muslim Women's Day. Somebody made that up, but it was Muslim Women's Day, and it was an Air Force recruiting site. And they had posted the picture of uh, 
the 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 woman who's going to be the first female Muslim chaplain for us, mm-hmm. but in the entire DOD and the, the Air Force recruiting, they posted something really nice. And I'm like, oh, you know, this is so sweet. And it's hashtag Muslim Women's Day. And some random person comes out of nowhere and it was like, too bad Sharia law doesn't agree with you serving in the military. And so I said, <laughs> too bad ignorance is a choice. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. the individual goes, well, it would be nice if you explain to me how I'm ignorant. Yeah, I'm gonna just leave you right there. Right. Yeah. There's right? no point. So it's all about engaging because my religion teaches me you do not go back and forth with people about your religion. You don't. Mm-hmm. I, you don't argue about it. There's no point to argue. You can have a discussion, but when mm-hmm. it gets to a point where you getting heated and you arguing, you yeah. we don't we don't do that. To so you be your yeah. way and to me be mine. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I mean, that's, that's a great point because when you're already on that team, you know, like I keep on going back to that when you're on that team and that's the mentality you have, you're not even open to learning anyway. So what's the point? You're going to go back and forth with somebody like, you know, it just makes no sense. And they take things out of context all the time. Just like that site you talked about. It was funny. One time back at uh, Spangdalem, the leadership team used some Unite funds to go. uh, We all went out to do some education and went out to a museum in Beston and ended up on that page talking about, oh, leadership's out, you know, chilling while we're all at work. And I'm like, all of you guys are doing the same thing. You know, there's people like, going, there was a dude who went, the, the one right. whole team went like, uh, went go-karting yesterday. The other team's going to do something else. Yeah. But somebody just wanted to throw that up there. You know, and I was like, I was like, okay, well, I'm not going to look at these stupid comments, right? Because it started getting all crazy. But then you start seeing the comments of the people that you know, and all yeah. of them, just like you said, came to, to defense of this is an amazing team, leadership team, mm-hmm. and this and that. Yeah. So um, that does make you feel good. So that, that's awesome. Yeah. 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 So, so Glow, I want to try something, something uh, I've talked to Joe about for a little while, right? Yeah. So I'm going to call this the leadership rapid fire. It's an LRF, all right? LRF. So it's, okay. it's, four, it's four questions. Okay. He's going to come at you. Okay. Tell us what you got. Ready? Ready? Okay. Right. Ready. First one. What's your favorite leadership trait? Honesty. What's awesome. your favorite quote? People will remember what you said. They will remember what you did. They won't, people will not remember what you said. People will not remember what you did, but they will always remember how you made them feel. Nice. Uh, What's your number one book for an aspiring leader? Mm. Uh, Leadership 101 by John Maxwell. All right. And last one is, how do you find harmony between life, leadership, and learning? I find the joy in it. I can always find harmony because I everything is a blessing. Um, I just I just find the joy in it. There is joy even in the most frustrating situations. There's joy in it. Awesome. That is awesome. Awesome. So uh, this this brings us to the to the end of this podcast. Uh, I'm not sweating bullets no more. So thanks for getting me out of my comfort zone. Yeah. Um, you did awesome, man. You did awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Appreciate that. Um, so is there any, any parting words that you'd like to share with our listeners before we uh, sign off? Um, make a conscious effort to get to know the people around you and you'll be, you'll be surprised at what you find. That's amazing. That's awesome. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Glow. I mean, just coming on, this is one of my favorite conversations I've had in a long time. Um, 
And uh, I, I know I miss you dearly and uh, can't wait till we get to see each other physically again and, uh, and keep working on that job for me at Diomi. <laughs> I'm telling you, because let, let me tell you, we've been, we've been I, you know, I had a spirited conversation yesterday <laughs> about making sure yeah. that we get the right person. And is it mm-hmm. always supposed to be a, a three or four? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you. That's awesome. <laughs> well, yeah. Thanks, Glow. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, y'all. Uh, <laughs> I miss y'all. This is great. You did for inviting me. Yeah. Awesome. Well, well, I'm sure we'll get you on here again eventually. Yes. Yeah, oh, this, yes. Was, this was good. Yeah. So. Nice. Well, all right, everyone. So we appreciate you and your time. Um, this is episode seven. So stay tuned for episode eight. The llamas are out. Llamas out. Thanks for listening to the show. We'd love for you to connect with us at www.llama-leadership.com and on Facebook at facebook.com slash llama leadership and also on Instagram at llama leaders. And a big thanks to Mike Whitmer for the music. To check out more of this stuff, go to soundcloud.com slash Mike Whitmer. Thanks again. See you on the next episode.